0: Welcome back to the Two Peas in a Podcast. It's been a while since we last spoke, but um, today we will be taking a more serious route compared to our last podcast episode. We, will we got be... range. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have range. Like, Yeah, we're, we're educated like that. Mm. But yeah, so today we wanted to discuss a little bit about um, Asian discrimination, especially with the news that we've been seeing in specifically the US, but more broadly, in the western world
1: yeah um this will likely be a two part series two tentatively um and a lot of it is going to be talking about the history of Asian discrimination uh just some of the things that have been happening recently and maybe even some of our own personal experiences so this is likely going to be a pretty heavy topic um and there may be some strong language involved we'll bleep it out I mean, I'm editing, so like... Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. But, um, yeah, like, there, there may be some strong language, and this is likely going to be a little bit emotional for me, or us, and possibly some of you as well, so we hope that if you relate to anything that we talk about, that you'll let us know, and that, uh, yeah, like, you let us know how we can continue to support you and expand our podcast a little bit more we'll also include um some of the resources that we used in researching for this topic in our description so check those out you will see them hopefully in the link i don't see the links right now because i haven't i i haven't posted the the podcast
0: yet (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, but um also our the second part of our podcast we are planning on maybe inviting a guest but we also want to hear some of your thoughts as well so we'll probably post a couple of questions on our instagram so if you have any thoughts that you'd like to share from our first podcast we would love to hear what you guys think and we'll definitely discuss your thoughts as well in the next episode
1: as some of you know that i mean some of you are probably our classmates and also live in hong kong um nicole and i live outside of the states and as Asians living in Asia, the experience that we have is likely going to be really different from the experience that other people are having, especially in Western countries where they're facing really horrific discrimination, especially in reaction to COVID-19. So we encourage you to take the things that we say with a grain of salt, especially since a lot of the things that we talk about are things that we just picked up from school um, Nicole has some experience with doing research on these topics through uh, writing articles for South China Morning Post. <laughs> Shout out. Um, <laughs> but so the, like one of the first things that we noticed when we were doing our research for this is that there honestly isn't a whole lot of coverage. Mm. And I think that's something that is quite telling, like especially in terms of the history of um, Asian American immigrants. They were like one of the first immigrant groups to the United States during like the, the, the gold rush. And pretty much right away, they faced quite a bit of discrimination from other people that were also moving to the West, trying to seek out the same sort of fortune that other people were having during the gold rush and as they were expanding the railroad, railroad systems. It kind, part of the discrimination obviously comes from the sense of the other, which is something that we talk about in like hum philosophy, to, hum, and to, hum to. um and just in general, this is something that has made oppression and discrimination quite easy for non-minority groups. But especially in the history of the United States, it's very richly interwoven into just the founding of it. So the fact that there were people that were competing for the same sort of positions during the California gold rush that sort of pitted white Americans against Asian Americans or even Asian immigrants, and that contributed to the racism. There was like some kind of smallpox outbreak as well in China, and a lot of people thought that Chinese people were somehow bringing the virus to the states, which is parallel to what we have now
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and just in general like in the late 19th century like the whole idea of the yellow peril and people Mm. are talking about how we're kind of going through a modern day version of that and that the yellow peril being like americans and europeans seeing east asians specifically as like this existential threat and danger to the western world and then i'm pretty sure like the 1882 like the chinese exclusion act that that was was the first time that an entire ethnic group was yeah. being like and then excluded. it was it was
1: written into some sort law. of law or some sort of policy the discrimination that Asians have faced is honestly like in terms of laws that have been passed it is it extended until world war 2 when japanese americans were forced into internment camps um in mm-hmm. in the fears that they were you know like people that were spies or traitors or you know like had somehow Like, we're somehow infiltrating, like, American society. Yeah,
0: not even just internment camps. Like, even, like, between 1910 and 1940, like, just in general immigration, Mm. you would would see, like, Chinese people and Japanese people being detained for, I think, up to, like, half a year. Like, an entire six months just Mm. detained in, like, very oppressive conditions until they were either allowed to go into America or sent back to where they came from.
1: Yeah, exactly. And these are, obviously, like, we're not here to just, like, bash the U.S., as a U.S. passport holder. I hope that they don't <laughs> revoke my passport and my, naf- my citizenship. <laughs> um, but yeah, like these are things that have very largely been left out of the sort of American narrative. And I think a really big part of that is also the idea of like the model minority myth, as you mentioned, as you were preparing for this podcast. Yeah, I think
0: not even the model minority myth. I think in America, people very much categorize Racism into, like, a very set narrative. I think this could just be because... Well, yeah, a large part is probably attributed to the U.S.'s specific history. But Asian discrimination doesn't fit into, like, the very neat narrative that they have, which is, like, black versus white. Mm, yeah. And I think a large part of that has contributed to why... The current waves of violence that we see against like Asians, especially in the United States, is so low profile. Think like a lot of the coverage that we see on this type of news is either from Asian specific sources like mm-hmm. Stop AAPI Hate, yeah, or yeah. or like Next Shark, which is specifically f- uh, covering Asian news, or it's by very liberal, very large papers like the New York Times. Like there mm-hmm. is no in between, like those small news sources or like maybe more conservative sources yeah don't cover this news at all
1: and yeah so that like that kind of just ties into something some of the things that we've seen so far honestly in the news articles that i've seen there haven't really been that many that have sort of the same traction that i think a lot of other cases of of discrimination or racism have garnered and i think part of that is like i know that this is true because like my family even like we like this is kind of part of what we tell each other and, like, what we, like, what um, parents tell their kids, but it's kind of just, you know, like, if someone is following you on the street or if someone tries to, like, provoke you or, like, is being racist towards you, just keep walking, don't try to fight back, you know, don't, just don't say anything, otherwise they might kill you or, like, they might do something, right? Mm. Um, Like, we're
0: taught to be complacent.
1: Exactly, and I think a really big part of that is why things like this model minority myth have become so prevalent and, like, why the stereotype holds. This is also why a lot of the times when we do see Asian Americans in the news, it's about... So sort of Harvard or Yale lawsuit against, like, college (laughs) admissions, which is an entirely new topic.
0: And I think, like, throughout the U.S.'s entire history, Asians in particular are the minority that have been used to divide the
1: Mm -hmm. other minorities,
0: I think. Yeah, for sure. Like, the whole model minority myth, which I guess, like, we can go into now. Like, Mm -hmm. basically the idea that Asian Americans are perceived to be more successful and to have greater socioeconomic success and, like, a higher status than like the other minorities in america that myth is a large part of why asian experiences and especially of discrimination or hate in the u.s is invalidated because they're saying that this impact of racism and discrimination faced by like asians is not enough and it's not enough to be comparable to other poc minorities especially Mm. because you know asians are so successful in america they have class privilege they have a high socioeconomic status yeah um they have better education so It's, like, saying that the discrimination isn't legitimate just because they're seemingly more successful. But then when you actually look at the statistics, I think the Asian Americans, I think they have the highest level of, like, economic disparity within their group. Mm, And, like, Hmong Hmong Americans have, like, the highest rate of high school dropouts. With Asian
1: Americans, like, you know, a lot of people just kind of assume, like, East Asian or South Asians, Mm. but Asia is a really big fucking continent like you know like bleep (laughs) bleep um but yeah like there are just the kinds of people that have to emigrate to the states a lot of them like especially like chinese immigrants a lot of them have been there for several generations whereas Mm -hmm. a lot of newer conflicts in southeast asian countries mean that people are now immigrating which we've seen has become quite difficult um and has created a lot of problems just based on the ways in which people respond to that, especially given our last president and a lot of the rhetoric that was used then. But also with the model minority myth, um, something that I researched a couple a couple years back. Shout out Humanities too, at Kevin Longry.
0: stop <laughs> teacher shout out. So what?
1: <laughs> We're gonna build our listener like our audience base. Um, but yeah the model minority myth was a concept that was created by an American sociologist in the sixties, so like right around the time of the civil rights movement.
0: Yeah, but I it, I think it was popularized in like the nineteen hundred. There was a there was a New York Times article, um, which was when they started popularizing the idea of how Asians are more successful and they're yeah. the model minority. Yeah,
1: and I just think like it's kind of like it's it's pretty shitty that during the civil rights movement when you know people were trying to fight for equal representation or sort of just equal access to things um people were sort of pitting minorities against one another Mm -hmm. by comparing the oppression and some of the discrimination that blacks and latinx people experience versus that of this sort of model minority right um and that that kind of that like that ended up harming the asian american community more so in the long run like honestly like this is probably gonna sound pretty ignorant of me but In the last couple of months, like, even if I, like, when I see that Asians, Asian Americans take to the streets and actually protest something, I'm honestly kind of taken aback because I think a big part of the culture is, like, the sense of, like, complacency. But a really big part of that is also sort of falling into that stereotype of being the model minority to avoid conflict or Mm -hmm. to, you know, avoid being ostracized the same ways that other minorities are also facing discrimination. Mm -hmm. But it's never, it's never that clean cut. And it's not really like, you know, being quiet is necessarily going to make things easier for you. And it doesn't solve the problem either.
0: Yeah. And another thing, like, I think when I was researching one of the statistics that I found the most interesting is that less than 1% of all of philanthropic funds in the U.S. goes towards Asian communities. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a large part of that is because in, like, the standard Caucasian person's eyes, I think that all of the different subgroups, of the asian like minority is all grouped under one and mm-hmm. often that's seen as like east asian but then that ignores like the islamophobia that muslims face especially like after 9-11 mm-hmm. it ignores like south asian violence it ignores the the idea of intersectionality with like lgbtq members yeah. and like disabled people and like specifically the youth and then you have like the pacific islanders and the like hawaiians and their stories are all grouped and conflated together with, like, the general, like, um, you know, like, just, like, the Asian minority.
1: And so, even then, like, it's not even, it's it's not even, like, a story that actually has a happy ending to it. It's just kind of, like, these people are all just kind of grouped together. Yeah,
0: exactly, and, like, this group has the largest income inequality gap out mm. of all of the different ethnic or racial groups in the United States, and yet they're, I feel like, often the most ignored, partly because of the model minority myth and other factors like that, and like so little attention in both the media and also in terms of like government action and so little funds are actually given to them. Okay, so here's where we insert clip of Trump saying weird shit. President Trump declared
1: himself the least racist person there is anywhere in the world.
0: Why does he use racist phrases like the kung flu? By the president
1: Kung Flu? Yeah. My question is, do kung you think flu. that's wrong? Kung Flu. And do you think using the term Chinese virus that puts Asian Americans at risk that people no, might target not at all. them?
0: No, no, not at all. I think they probably uh, would agree with it hundred percent. Just as someone not in America right now reading the news, I found it, like, absolutely despicable that someone with such a large platform like Trump, who, like, arguably one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful person, like, Mm -hmm. individual in the world at that time, was fueling that sort of, like, anti-Asian-American bigotry in the States. And, like, the racist rhetoric that he used about China's people and COVID-19, calling it, like, China virus and Kung flu, and genuinely not seeing what was wrong with him doing that yeah i it was like absolutely like despicable to me and it was one of the things that just just like made me hate trump even more Mm. and all these cases that we're seeing in the news now it's not an accident i think a lot of it was fueled by trump and i truly do believe that even with COVID 19 had we had a different president uh, like say you know biden or or obama or someone else Mm. who treated the situation differently and had a different attitude when addressing China and COVID-19, I truly do not believe that the situation, like, the discrimination that Asians are facing today would be as prevalent as it is now.
1: I remember at the beginning when it first broke out, because in Hong Kong, um, schools started closing in February because we, mm-hmm. we, like, had the virus pretty early on. Yeah. And right away, like, all the people just said, like, oh, you know, like, it's, like, the Wuhan virus because originally we all thought like oh you know it originated from there so it's appropriate for us to call it that yeah but then i think slowly people started to realize that this was a community this was a city in china that was facing something that was completely unexpected and completely unpredictable and that completely destroyed a lot of people's lives and any sense of stability that they had i i remember like when we first heard about the virus like it, it was more just like about like an inconvenience rather than an actual matter of life or death yeah um and then when it like when it spread to the states a lot of people i remember like made like a bunch of like bat jokes and like you know like how people like in china were like like you know it was obvious that people in china were going to create some sort of virus just because it was so exotic where people were just like completely untamed or some shit like that and then like so like i kind of see why trump can convince himself that saying china like chinese virus is like quote-unquote, correct, because it is, like, it it originated from China. I'm still using quotations here, but you can't see it because it's a podcast. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like, you know, like, he said, like, oh, it originated in China. I'm just being factual. I think more than that, he sort of just has this responsibility to actually respond in a way that is going to be protective of the people, right? And if, first of all, he downplays the severity of the issue and then blames it on China and then ostracizes a group of people or just, you know, starts to fuel some kind of flame, then... All of a sudden, Asian-American discrimination is just further exacerbated, and a lot of people just use this as an opportunity to sort of lash out against Asians. This is something that we've seen a lot in the last couple of days. There there have been several tragic cases of elderly Asians in Chinatown or just even in their own neighborhoods that have been brutally attacked just out of nowhere in the middle of the day. And it's completely unprecedented as well, which I think is honestly terrifying. Um, Recently, there was some sort of study that showed that something like 2,800 cases of Asian American violence were reported.
0: Reported to the Stop AAPI. Yeah, yeah, AAPI exactly. Page. And like
1: those were like self-reported cases as well, so like they're Like first-hand probably... incidents,
0: not just other people. Exactly. Were... Oh, and
1: just um, for those of you that like maybe haven't heard of it, uh, Stop AAPI is a website that was created where people can report cases of Asian American discrimination and violence just because a lot of times people aren't held accountable. And even in the news sources that we've seen so far, people haven't reveal the identities of the perpetrators, even though they have been caught. Yeah, AAPI
0: standing for Asian American and Pacific Islanders. Yeah. I think.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, and, like, that's... It's a grassroots initiative that has sort of tried to shed some light onto the ways in which the justice system has sort of evaded the protection of Asians, especially at a time when they're facing this, this surge in attacks. Um and I think like it does become quite distressing to see that a lot of the victims are elderly people.
0: Yeah, and like you're you're attacking people that like can't fight back. It, no, exactly. And like these are
1: people that they are affected by the virus as much, if not more, by other people in the States. You know, to quote Hamilton, like death does the death doesn't discriminate, right? <laughs> um Yeah, and like when we just kind of assume that this group of people because they also come from the same place that the virus came from. You know, they must have some sort of disease. The parallels that we mentioned earlier between this and like the smallpox incidents, or even just earlier cases of people using sort of Chinese or even Asians just like as some sort of a scapegoat, right? Um this isn't something new. It's something that has definitely been further fueled in the last couple of months. Um and luckily, like things have started to look up a little bit since Trump's left office um, and I know like Biden has recently tried to sort of he passed the
0: the memorandum do you want to explain that a little bit more I'm not exactly like yeah I'm pretty sure like once Biden came into office he passed a memora- memorandum that was denouncing the Trump administra- uh administration's discriminatory sentiments against like Asian American and Pacific Islanders and like they they promised to better combat anti-Asian racism but I think when you have damage like that that's already been done i think for a large part at least that culture in america it's not something it can simply undo and mm-hmm. i think even reparations will take a really long time and going back to the like the entire cause of this wave of violence against asians in the u.s the, the entire incident with covid19 kind of exemplified to me why trump is not a suitable man for office at <laughs> all because sure you can say that trump can kind of L- explain it to himself in his head as to why it's okay to call the china virus but I-, I think as like an educated individual there is no way that like no part of him thought that some of this was wrong and i think a large part of why he did it was uh, like for his own political gain because mm. at that time i remember he was facing reelections. and yeah. a large part of his uh like supporters support him uh partly because of his anti-asian rhetoric and how they thought that he is the only man who can stand up to he like the
1: truth or yeah whatever. he's the only
0: man who is strong enough to be able to stand up to China he's completely disregarding the people themselves like mm. he has no regard for the common person he only cares about his own political gain and he doesn't care that he's stoking xenophobia which I'm sure like I'm sure he sees it on the news right like there can't be no part of him that's like oh maybe I like maybe I did that you know they, like there yeah. ha- it has to be no <laughs> exactly my brother lives alone in New York. He works there. He's worked there for, I think, two years now. And when COVID started, there was a lot of, I don't know if you can call it stigma, but I'd say there was a lot of stigma within, like, even New York, which is a considerably liberal state, you know, compared mm. to other states, say yeah. like, deep red. But, like, you didn't want to wear a mask outside because that would cause you to be criticized. And I saw mm. somewhere in the media, like, people were saying that to wear a mask was actually more dangerous than not wearing a mask at that time because of how much hate that people received for it. Mm. It's been concerning for my parents because of all of the cases that have been coming up, but I do think that living in a more liberal community like New York has been beneficial. Mm. And Yeah, like, I think, like, living in Hong Kong... I don't know where that was going. Like,
1: like, it's just, like, a personal... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, like, I guess living in Hong Kong, it Mm -hmm. does feel like these issues are kind of disconnected from us just because... I mean, like, I'm, like, my parents are from, like, mainland China, so I think for me, at first there was maybe a little bit of stigma against, or, like, the sort of, um, distaste for Chinese people, like, mainland Chinese people in Hong Kong. But even then, I feel like that was more telling of other underlying issues as opposed to just the virus.
0: Yeah, and I've lived in Asian, like, although I lived in three places, they were all Asian communities, so I was, I never felt like that like, the idea of the perpetual foreigner that a lot of Asians feel in the U.S.
1: Yeah, and, but, like, so I have family in the States. You know, like, like there's just kind of the sense of helplessness because I know that, like, even even when I was eight, the first time I went back to the States after moving to Hong Kong, my mom was taking me home after we went to some, I think it was, like, a Katy Perry concert or something. Wow. Um, And this, <laughs> yeah, we were just, like, walking down, like, a pretty... A pretty well-lit street it was like one of the main streets um and it was just my mother who's not a very large woman like so he's like quite short and like me a tiny skinny eight-year-old girl and this guy like as he's walking by us he gets he like he suddenly just like moves really close to my mom and just really 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 sharply just says fuck you chinese like we were just like okay keep walking like you know maybe he has a gun maybe he has a knife or some shit like that right Mm. and that's something that i completely forgot about just because i didn't realize it's hard to process when
0: you're eight years old
1: yeah and like i think i was mostly just like still off of the katy perry high but it's something that my mom mentioned a couple months ago because um like since she moved or like like since she's been back in the states for a while now these are the things that she's worried about every time she leaves the door right like um when she has to go out and buy groceries for my grandmother or, like, take my grandmother to the hospital or, like, you know, to like, get, like, checkups or whatever. There's really no telling what's around the next corner. The corner yeah. And I feel like living an ocean away, there's kind of the sense of helplessness because we have no direct connection. We have no direct mechanism through which we can to actually help, help the problem. Yeah. Or, like, you know, we can obviously say, oh, you can, like, donate to these, to these organizations. You can support local politicians even though... But how
0: much good does that really do? Exactly. And, and, and like, I think for people who are trying to look for ways to help, Mm -hmm. I feel like donation isn't really eh, an attractive, like, source of help to them because you don't see the direct impact that you're making and you don't see it as, like, a direct outlet for your thoughts or your Mm -hmm. feelings. And you also, sometimes you don't know where this money is going.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, like, we'll probably be going to the States um, in about five or six months from now. And these are things that I think probably aren't going to be fixed by the time we get there. And so it's kind of just, the sentiment is sort of just that, Asian Americans are kind of just like sitting ducks and we're kind of just watching everything happen because there's really nothing that we can do. Um, And, you know, like, of course, like we can talk as much as we want about how much it hurts for us to see people with the same colored skin as us being, um, being discriminated against and even like attacked and assaulted in the States. Right. But I think we do have the privilege of being surrounded by people that kind of understand some of what it's like to live through the things that we will inevitably live through yeah um but that is something that i think is difficult for people to process and it's something that will take quite a bit of time for us to sort of swallow and digest
0: yeah and for me it's like mm, it it, it's i guess it's always been a bit of a daunting prospect to you know, move away like an ocean away and study in the U.S. for four years, especially because I'm not American. I don't go to America often. Um, I've been there for like two weeks total in the past, like, you know, like 17 years of my life. (laughs) But I I guess now it's even more of a daunting prospect because you always hear about how scary it is to be in the States. Uh, in general, I guess it, the, the U.S. isn't a safe place. Uh, Like neighborhood safety in general Especially when you're comparing it to living in places like Hong Kong Or like Singapore Yeah, Singapore Like setting aside the Hong Kong protests earlier in the year And like recent political events that have occurred Mm. Safety in Hong Kong is very much not a problem Like I can go outside at night alone And I do not feel unsafe at all Mm. And in the US you always hear reports of how girls getting assaulted It's not safe to go out at night Mm. You cannot go out, like, alone. But now, in addition to these fears, you have to be worried about people acting out because of, like, xenophobia and out of hate.
1: Yeah, and, like, I think it's important for us to recognize that, you know, even though we might say, oh, like, we should just hope that people will be more understanding or, you know, hope that people will slowly start taking the right steps, which I know we said earlier, I think it's going to be a very different realization once we actually get there. And I think that's probably largely the reason why it's been so hard for people to actually or like for why these social movements have haven't garnered as much support as it's the hard issue for them to itself. gain traction exactly because it does become really hard to figure out a solution to an age-old problem especially one that is more societal than it is political um i think yeah. it's
0: i like it's been turned political
1: exactly but... like it like it definitely has like this like sort of trickle up um motion where you know until people can start to recognize one another and like like recognize one another as equal and be more patient with the process i think it's not going to have any sort of immediate effect There have been so many societal issues when it comes to race and when it comes to discrimination and actually creating networks of people that are willing to acknowledge and accept other people's issues and accept one another. These are societal issues that aren't going to be fixed overnight. Like Biden can pass as many policies or as many laws as he wants, but people aren't going to be able to change these things overnight. And especially when we see that people are supporting politicians or uh, other people that you know, they think speak the truth because they push the blame onto a certain group of people. I think that does create problems of its own. And I think I think a large reason as to why there has been this surge in violence against Asian Americans has been largely due to the fact that I think people have just become so fed up with living under this pandemic. And I like I we totally get it. We've been living in Hong Kong under this pandemic for like over a year and a month or like a year and a bit now. Mm-hmm. Um and so Like, I I understand the frustration that a lot of people would feel. And when they see a group of people that they think are somehow connected to it, or like are somehow the cause for it, I think it is a part of our human nature to want to lash out. But I think that's that's the part of our human nature that we should be able to overcome. Because I think that's just honestly an animalistic part of the ways in which we've developed and the ways in which we've sort of formed societies and organizations that haven't allowed us to survive in the past. And I mean, like pretty much evolution and biology and literally everything is just kind of about like this idea of survival. Right. And so when we see that there's a group of people or when we see that there's something that is threatening our existence and we feel Mm -hmm. as though they are somehow doing something that directly affects us. I, I, I think this is probably, I mean like from like what I've seen at least, like I think this is probably why a lot of people have been attacking Asian Americans because they kind of have no other outlet to do so. And I think like that's, frankly fucked up but you know that is just kind of i think part of how we respond to things naturally
0: yeah and i think that's that's america's double edged sword the fact that it is on one hand so diverse and that brings so many different benefits to the country on on a whole but at the same time that diversity is inevitably going to lead to some racism and it's going to lead to some xenophobia and that's why it's so important for individuals such as the president of the united states to be able to handle that and make that a priority and foster a culture of acceptance Mm. in the entire country but it, it was just unfortunate i guess that when covid came around we were still under a president that did the exact opposite
1: Yeah, and like, there's not really anything that we can do to undo the past. Yeah. Um, But I think a really important first step is actually acknowledging that certain groups of people are going to be more badly hit by the damage, like the long-term damage that the virus has on the economy and of their way of living, right? Like a lot of minorities, especially since we talked about earlier, Asian minorities that are in the highest rates of poverty, Blacks, uh, Latinx people, literally any minority group that has kind of just been neglected by the state or just by the government in general. Um, Like, I, 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 it's just like really disheartening to see like how we've kind of just like pitted these groups against one another. But at the same time, like, I think something that has been really refreshing and that has been sort of heartwarming to see is that you know, following Black Lives Matter, there were a lot of Asian Americans that were participating in those protests because they, yeah. they understand that these are two things. Their, their their issues aren't mutually exclusive, right? These people... It's only really like, you know, if one minority group is uh, gains the sense of equality in the state or, you know, like, they have some sort of benefit. Like, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be taken at the cost of another group. Exactly. And I think that's something that a lot of people tend to sort of forget, Um I definitely see that. Uh, like, I like. I think we probably have seen this, like, in Asian cultures. We kind of like pit minorities against one another just because we want to sort of fend for ourselves in a way. Yeah, and, and that because, goes like, back
0: to like the model minority. Mix. Exactly,
1: and like you know, this is something that is kind of part of the Asian American survival mode. Um, but I think like you know, like when issues like this arise, there's literally nothing that we can do to solve the like the larger issue other than actually putting aside this sense of ego I guess and sort of actually be willing to work with other people and like recognizing that we we're more similar than we are different from other minorities and the issues that we face um so I think you know like seeing seeing the collaboration between these different minorities and the ways in which these um like, like things like stop AAPI hate for instance or all these other organizations have been doing like all of these are grassroots and they have been getting a lot more attention recently, which I mm-hmm. think has been pretty helpful as well. Yeah. Um, but I think like it is. it does require these sort of baby steps. And of course, it's really easy to just give up and say, you know, it's a, it's a societal issue. It's going to take hundreds of years to figure out. But I think it's kind of our responsibility to acknowledge when. And this new sort of explosion of uh, violence against a certain minority group comes up like these are things that we have to recognize we have to recognize the cause of it we have to recognize the sort of implications of some of the things that we say and like not to like censor or police the way that people talk but just a general awareness that language does have the power to influence the way that other people think and this is something that we'll probably touch upon in a a future podcast yeah um but yeah like this is just something that i think requires taking a step back. And almost, like, removing your removing the emotions of it a little bit by understanding the fact that, you know, even though we might not be able to completely change everyone's minds about Asian-American discrimination or just racism in general, we have to be the ones to take the first step or at least keep pushing and moving the boulder forward. So Yeah,
0: and I think going back to what you said earlier about how organizations like Stop AAPI Hate are very much grassroots. Mm-hmm. And I think that has had profound implications on how successful that these organizations are yeah because i think looking towards the future i think most of the efforts that we should be you know doing in order to combat asian discrimination should be local Mm. and like to combat anti-asian violence and to reimagine community safety it should be from community-led programs and i think we need to invest in those and put more you know put more attention towards factors that prevent asians from feeling safe specifically in these different counties and these different cities it shouldn't it should start at a local grassroots level before Mm. it expands upwards because i think that's the only way we're going to be able to change fundamentally change the culture in america Mm. and i i remember seeing something like there was an like a more high profile asian individual they were like oh in response to this hate crime Oh, like they were basically giving out. Money. Oh, the twenty five thousand.
1: It's like Daniel Day Kim. Yeah, and yeah, yeah like the twenty five thousand dollar thing, yeah.
0: and then people start criticizing him for, uh, encouraging the police to look, uh. Like encouraging them to look for the black man because the perpetrator was a black man, mm. and I so like we have to turn away from, I guess obviously law enforcement, and like going back to the whole idea of minorities working together, and like trying to put aside those differences to really, uh, like reconcile the difficulties that we faced between us Mm -hmm. i think that's just another reason why all these movements have to be very much uh, rooted in the local communities themselves
1: yeah with the monetary incentive like it sucks that that's what it's come to yeah exactly like it it it's like when celebrities place a price tag on um, intel that will allow that, that will lead to the arrest of certain individuals that have been perpetrating this sort of violence oftentimes you know people are quick to assume that oh it's because these people have certain biases against certain races right but i think what we're ultimately seeing now is just or like what we've seen in the last couple of months and like in the last year has just been this sort of need for justice and i think that's something that we've slowly let ourselves become complacent with because with the model minority myth for instance right like it becomes so easy to just sort of disappear into the background right. when we're not like, you know, like forced into the spotlight. Exactly. If everyone within my minority communities wants to sort of fight against each other, they're never going to actually be able to break free from the system that continually oppresses them through the generations. I think this is something that will start to change because I think at least we have this sort of connection through social media and through this shared trauma of living through something as horrific as a pandemic um but also just like the recognition that it does take time and I think like that is often very difficult for people to recognize when you know there are all these issues that have been around for hundreds of years and we want to fix these problems right away but
0: it's frustrating exactly
1: and like I think that's like where a lot of people give up
0: and I think on a I guess looking forward, I guess, like, what I would want to see, especially under a new administration, is just, well, I guess specifically, I remember under the Trump administration, there was some kind of No Hate Act, I think, I, wait, I wrote it, yeah, it was the Jabara Higher, Hair. I don't know how to say it, like, the No Hate Act, mm. which aims to basically bolster federal aid to localities for hate crime training and, like, reporting, but because the Senate was controlled by the GOP at the time, they they refuse to vote on it, mm. so I think it it I I think it's safe to say that we can start to be more optimistic. Yeah, at this sure. point that there will be more changes that can be made, and I hope that they can be made. And in terms of media representation, I I feel like a lot of it has been us also partially bashing on the media, mm. and you know like we see how in like popular. Like, I guess representation today, we see like crazy rich Asians, or like, what was that new Netflix show, like Bling Empire, or whatever? Oh. Like, there's, there's a very one sided representation of Asians in media. But I think at the same time, the media has the power to completely change that. Mm. And so I think there are a lot of things within that are very much within our grasp. And how, while they may be used, have. While they may have been used negatively in the past, for example, mm-hmm. like, you know, government powers, like federal powers, or also media powers, they can be reversed as well. And I think that goes back to changing the fundamental culture within America. If
1: you live in the States, especially, like, I think this is something that, like, is probably related to some of the things that you've seen in the in the news or people that live in your community. Um, we encourage you to reach out to them, socially distant, of course, um... But, yeah, just kind of talk about what this is going to look like for the future and how we can form a sense of community. Yeah. (laughs) And like, you know, not to be like prescriptive, but I think these are the kinds of things that require a bit of time, contemplation and reflection
0: on. And I think once we start to address those factors, which thankfully they are beginning to be addressed now, Mm -hmm. we will be able to see a more long term culture shift within the States and within the Western world.
1: Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. Nicole and I really appreciate all the support that we've gotten from you over the last couple of weeks. And we know that today's content was a little bit more serious than what future episodes and what past episodes were about. But it's something that is very close to our hearts and something that we feel very strongly about. So if you have any other thoughts or any questions, please feel free to DM us. Please let us know if you'd be interested in being a guest on our podcast or if you have any questions for us. We would love to answer them. As always, All the links that we referenced and all the websites that we referenced are going to be linked in the description. So feel free to check those out and stay tuned for upcoming episodes. Bye.